California Women's Crisis Counseling. My name is Laura. How can I help oh, you? Laura, I do have a crisis. I've killed someone, Laura. Are you listening to me? Huh? Who is this? Just one question. Do you think it's over, Sydney? Do you? Now taking credit for Marine Prescott's murder. But we know who killed Marine Prescott. Billy Loomis and Stu Marker. I mean, they even told Sydney how they did it. Maybe there is a third killer. Guys, this was about cotton. We are not in any danger. We are not in any danger, says Candy, page 15. Who the fuck is this? Somebody who killed to know where Sydney Prescott is. What do you know about trilogies? Well, I know about movie trilogies. One. All bets are off. Do you want to have this conversation with a polygraph? Is that a threat, detective? It's a threat. You'll know it. Was that a threat? Here's how I see it. I've got no house, no bodyguard, no movie, and I'm being stalked. Because someone wants to kill me? No, because someone wants to kill you. So now, starting now, I go where you go. That way, if someone wants to kill me, I'll be with you. And since they really want to kill you, they won't kill me. They'll kill you. Make sense? None. You were dealing with the concluding chapter of a trilogy. One, you got a killer who's gonna be superhuman. Number two, anyone including the main character can die. This means you sit. Hello? Hello? Gail, Dewey, whoever, um, call me back. I can only hear myself. I only hear you too, Sydney. I am not dreaming. I am not crazy. He was there in Woodsboro. It's not Woodsboro, Sydney. Step three is back in production. You gotta be praying this movie keeps going. Hello, and welcome to another episode of In Another World. I am your host, Zachary Landolt, and today we are continuing our journey through the Scream film franchise. And we have left Windsor College and headed to Hollywood uh, to follow Sydney and all of her pals and many Hollywood celebrities through this crazy third chapter in the franchise that we all love. And I have a special guest for this week's show. Devin is out this week, but... I have someone who knows a lot about Scream, namely because they host an entire podcast about this franchise. It is Ryan C. Showers. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited. To ha- I'm, I'm excited to be here. Like I've been waiting for this invitation since you were on my show in August. We well, you know it's been about finding like the perfect thing to have you on the show for, and I think Scream Three is mm-hmm. about as perfect as we can get. Oh, I mean, like, literally, there's, uh, you know, even whenever you sent me the link and it says, you know, Scream 3 with Ryan C. Showers, I was just like, you know, sometimes waiting and just letting things happen naturally is the way to go. (laughs) Exactly. Now, would you like to let the listeners know about your podcast? Absolutely. So, um... On your show, on this show, you do, you've recapped a lot of horror sequels, oh, you know, many. with reviews. Many. Yeah. And now it's Scream's turn, right? Uh, leading up to the new movie. Oh, yes. Um, well, so I actually, um... You know, for a long time, I was a mainstay at um, Next Best Picture. I was previously at Awards Daily, and then I was at Next Best Picture, um, where I did, you know, where I wrote a lot and where I did podcasts, um, you know, like several times a week. Um, But this past summer, you know, there were some changes in my life. I decided to go to law school, and I decided to leave Next Best Picture, um, and um, the doing what I was doing there didn't, wasn't making me happy. So I instead had this idea of a scream podcast, a podcast dedicated exclusively to the scream series, you know? Um, and the ideas for episode topics were just flowing out of me. Um, (laughs) and like, I, I literally have 150 topics, you know, in my, in my document. So, um, a lot of people say to me, you know, Brian, like, how can you (laughs) just, how can you do more than four episodes? You know, you review each movie and that's it. And I'm like, um, no, (laughs) ma'am. Um, even though I (laughs) reviews like that are great for your show where you cover a broad range of things, but you know, I figured if star Wars people can do this and Marvel people can do this, why can't we do this with scream? So, um, Please, you know, if you love Scream and if you, um, you know, uh, care to listen to what I have to say, I've had I've had amazing guests on. Um, my podcast is Scream with Ryan C. Showers. You can find it anywhere um, 
where podcasts are available so and it's a great i mean i was actually lucky to be on your show once and it was a, a pleasure uh and yeah you have so many amazing topics that i I will, i'll admit i was like i don't know what is the longevity of this podcast like how long can this really get going uh, but you know really uh, scream is a, a depth of topics i mean honestly you could have an entire episode just about the different jackets that sydney has worn in each finale you know like uh, well i guess there was no jacket in scream for but you know and there should have been honestly if i could change one thing she needed a jacket she needed a power jacket um, it's funny you say that because Marianne uh, Madalena, who was the producer of the first three, and she was an executive producer for the fourth, mm. um, she was on my show, and she said that was her main critique. And that was one of her biggest cr- criticisms of Scream 4. She wasn't like as hands-on with it, and she was kind of disgusted with the way they dressed Sydney in Scream 4. Um, yeah. I have to say, and I, I love all the movies for their own reasons. I you know they're, they're all entertaining. I don't think there's a dud in the whole franchise. But I will say, I remember when I saw the fourth film, and see, you know, I just thought, what's up with uh, how they dress Sydney in this movie? Like, it definitely was something I was thinking about the entire film, because it just seemed so out of character for her with how she was costumed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I digress. <laughs> well, I mean, like, let's be real. Gail is the real star of Scream 4. I agree. Um, so... I feel like Sydney, um, you know, Sydney and Gail, they get to share a lot of, you know, power moments in all four mm. movies. Um, but I, I often break them down by movies. Like, I, I think Sydney is like the star of Scream 3 and Gail is the star of Scream 4. Um, you know, so it's, you know, everybody gets a, a fair share here. So You know, it's funny. You also talked about on your show about how you made an out line of the different screen times that everyone has in each film. Because I remember for years there was this this discussion about why wasn't Sydney in Scream 3 more? But you actually prove that she actually still has the most screen time of the returning characters. Oh, fuck yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Absolutely. Oh, um, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, she is the, she's the lead of Scream 3. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, I feel like in, this was kind of a, a bone, a chip on my shoulder, like a bone to pick that I had. Like, you know, I feel like people in general, are so disrespectful of Scream 3. And, uh, like, and this was, I feel like the worst, like, the peak of the Scream 3 hatred was right before Scream 4, because everybody was so excited for Scream 4, and they just wanted to, like, I feel like, again, they were tearing down Scream 3 to build up Scream 4. And, like, you know, I feel like the criticism of Scream 3 is so unfair and so narrow-minded, and uh, it, it just makes me so angry. And one of the criticisms is, you know, like, unfortunately, it's a known fact that Nev she had a weird contract in Scream 3 where she could only be on set for a certain number of days because she was a big star. And fans have taken that and ran with it. Or let's just say fans of Scream 1 and 2 Mm. took this and ran with this as a reason to dislike Scream 3. And like... Uh, and I do think it is about perspective. And I think the hate just gets regurgitated. Like, where, you know... The stories like oh nev has less screen time than courtney and david in in scream 3 no she fucking doesn't like you know i mean they <laughs> like, it really actually, like you know she, she is she you know she actually has very comparable screen time to what she does in scream 2 um it's just that all of sydney's scenes are by herself mostly mm-hmm. and like i i get that that this was a necessary decision that the studio had to make for the movie um with the production but at the same time like it's also necessary story-wise like it wouldn't have made sense for sydney to be running around this you know with the stab three actors the the whole movie (laughs) you know she i mean she was this was a, a trilogy this was the final act this was about her dealing with her trauma and her issues and the whole arc of the movie like if you think sydney isn't the lead of scream 3 then you don't understand scream 3 and you're not trying to like she the arc of the movie what the movie hinges on is that scene in the police station where she has to make a choice to put herself out of the danger Mm. and save gail and dewey and like that is the apex where she makes that a conscious choice and like she really does you know she so how the screen time actually breaks down for scream three is nev has 33 minutes of screen time courtney has 28 and um, David has 26. And then after that, the next the next closest is Parker Posey with 14. Oh. So I do think, and I'm sorry if I'm talking so it's much. A, but, it's a um, podcast, you're allowed. <laughs> the, um, I do think Scream 3, you know, they are co-leads. Like I do think Gail and Dewey are supporting in Scream 2 and in Scream um in Scream 4, but in Scream 3, they are they all are kind of co-leads. But I do think Gail and Dewey earned the right to be co-leads mm. in a way. 
Um, and just for the last piece of like information here, in Scream 2, Sydney only had 37 minutes. So there's only a four minute gap between her her time in three and four uh, in um in two. Mm. And she actually has more time in three than she does in four. In Scream 4, she has 27 minutes. So like your the arguments are really are really silly when you look at the facts. Um and uh, one last thing about mm. this is, you know, there's like in Scream 2, she basically has a mirror image of her storyline in time frame in the movie in Scream 3 as she does in 2 except for like this 20 minute period where you know it's like when Sarah Darling gets killed (laughs) through the fax machine like she's not really in that time period and that's where people feel her absence and I get that you feel her absence but that doesn't negate the fact that she still has a large margin of screen time more than Courtney and David so enough with this (laughs) crap (laughs) well also I feel like it makes Having her be separate from everyone and actually even having her off screen for a while, I think makes when she arrives at the police station so much more satisfying as an audience. You know, I don't know. So it people does. love to complain and, you know, the haters are going to hate. They do. You know, but with, we have many things to get into with Scream 3 and, uh, I ha- <laughs> you know, but so I have to be, I have to make a schedule. So as I do with all of the movies, I like to look at where pop culture was when the movie came out, because it's a pop culture podcast. Um, and I like to talk about what the number one movie in America was when it came out and what the number one song was. Now, the number one movie the weekend this came out was Scream 3. Oh my goodness. So, mm-hmm. what good news. On February 4th, from suspense master Wes Craven, Run! comes the final chapter. Scream 3, Red uh, and it was a. It had many little little um, little trivia's attached to that. It broke the Empire Strikes Back record for the highest weekend debut in February. This was released on February fourth, two thousand. Um, and it also broke Scream 2's record for highest weekend debut for a slasher film. And it also broke Wild Wild West record for the widest release ever at. 3,467 theaters, including the one that I was in when I got to see Scream 3 with my mother. It was the first Scream I'd been able to see in a theater. The other two were all VHS, and I loved it. I was obsessed. Mm. It was a whole moment. Well, I love that you watched it on VHS. Uh, because <laughs> <I'm old. laughs> I have the I, I, I have the first two on VHS. I don't have Scream 3 because by that time, um, you know, DVDs okay. were the new thing. So there are just fewer VHSs out there for me to buy. You know, I actually I never had Scream 3 on VHS because I actually remember I got it for Christmas the the next year because I remember getting it on DVD. Um, but I, I did have the first two on VHS and I watched them many, many times. <laughs> um, and also the number one song was I Knew I Loved You by Savage Garden. And wow, what a throwback. Um, I don't instantly know this <laughs> song, but I but I, I, I remember I Savage no Garden um, because I am old, as I said before. Um, but this, so this movie, I what I find so fascinating about Scream Three is, of course, the first two films are commenting on film, you know, the horror genre in general. So for me, the idea of setting it actually literally in Hollywood is such a a clever idea. And so it's so funny to me that I feel like a lot of the hatred I have heard towards Scream 3 is how they thought it was just too on the nose having it set in Hollywood. What are your thoughts on that point? <laughs> well, um, it's I think that's a very interesting way to begin this discussion on a pop culture podcast mm. because, um, I mean, Scream 3 is literally, I mean, all the Scream movies are about pop culture mm. to an extent, but Scream 3 does take it the farthest of um but you know, here's how I have thought about it over the years. Everything, almost everything in Scream Three is controversial. People either love it or hate mm-hmm. it. Things work for people or they don't, and that includes the setting of Hollywood. Um, I think the I, I don't understand the criticism really because these movies have always been so refer- self-referential. Yeah. Um, like I mean, it's kind of like I mean, there's literally scenes in video stores in this movie. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't understand. Like I think I think those criticisms are just reaching in a way. Like I mean, 
maybe I don't know. I don't get it. I really don't. Um, I think it's brilliant and a necessary choice mm. that they that they had to make. I mean, um, you know, because the whole trilogy, the for the original trilogy, they're building on this idea of do movies create psychos? You know, who's really at fault? Is it the parents? And then it goes to Hollywood itself, and you know, and takes a look. Not necessarily. I think what Scream Three says about Hollywood in the end is it may not be the movies that are causing all this pain and devastation in the world, but it's the people. It could be the people behind the movies. Mm. Um, so I think that there is a very necessary reason that Wes Craven chose to do this. And actually Marianne, um, the producer told me that Wes was insistent on, on this full circle moment for Hollywood. And I really don't know how you could wrap up this story in such a final way without having that level of meta, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I love the way that it, yeah, it all comes back to Maureen, like Sydney's mom. And just, yeah. I, I find that so satisfying, and I, especially, oh God, I mean, the number of times I watched Scream and Scream 2 before I finally saw Scream 3. And the the whole thing, like, Maureen as, like, ghost that's, like, haunting Sydney. I just, I'm, I've always loved Scream 3. I've never understood the hatred. <laughs> um, there's no hatred here. And I just, I what I find so funny is that people will be totally fine with, like, the opening of Scream 2 being, you know, Stab and the release of that. Like, that, they're like, this is great. But for some reason, they think it's too corny or cheesy for, like, Cotton Weary to have, like, a talk show or something. Even though I don't think that's that far off from, like, reality. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of celebrity, I could actually see having, like, a daytime talk show. It's not that insane to me. No, I mean, he, Cotton had a very like extraordinary backstory. Like, and the way that Sydney kind of handed him off as the hero at the end of Scream mm. 2 and combined that with his opportunism, yeah, like yeah. there is like, I mean, and like Cotton is a charming guy. Like it works. You know what I mean? Like it that is kind of what would that well, that's what happens. Like even today, I mean, people get that's the it's the subject and the agenda of Scream 4 is that people get famous <laughs> for stupid reasons. And like, I mean. Uh, yeah, like I, I think it's I, I don't get why people hate, hate Cotton's um, talk show, um, but no, you're right. Like, and that's my problem. Like, I think with a lot of the criticism of Scream Three is like I feel like people have such an inherently negative attitude about everything about Scream Three, mm. so they see it through a negative lens. Whereas Scream Two, they see everything through a positive lens. So like the way that people were acting in the theater of Scream Two at the beginning, that's completely logical. Um, but, <laughs> right. you know, the smallest details of, you know, if if the lighting is wrong, ooh, that's a plot hole in Scream 3. Um, you know, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. But um, I, I do think Cotton's, like, I've actually grown to love Cotton's talk show even more. <laughs> I was watching the, I was watching Scream 3 just recently. And I bet uh, you were. It just, it, <laughs> I, I, I've literally, according to Letterboxd, I've literally watched Scream 3 22 times since they announced the new oh movie um, in 2019. Wowie. Um, but um, no, like, and, and the irony of what Cotton, uh, the, the thing I think is funny about Cotton in the opening is um, he is driving recklessly through LA <laughs> trying to get home to Christine. And then whenever he's like looking through the apartment, you can hear, you can see his show yes. on the on the TV and um, he's talking about, um, bad drivers and how <laughs> yeah. like drivers need to be accountable. And isn't that irony exactly what Scream 3 is saying about the industry overall? The industry preaches all these things. You know, they preach feminism, but all the producers are raping young actresses behind behind the scenes. Like that's the hip hypocrisy that I think Scream 3 is really trying to get get at, mm -hmm. you know? Well, and also, so, I mean, talk about being like ahead of its time in terms of the discussion of, you know, you know, now we're living in a, you know, post Me Too society. But this movie was talking about some shit, I mean, years and years before people were talking about this. And I think that kind of gets brushed over, and which is kind of unfair, because I think, especially you say that, like, Wes wanted that part of the story to be, you know, very prevalent. I think it was, I think it really gives the story weight also. It, it doesn't just feel like a cheap sequel. No, and that's the thing. None of these, none of the four films really do feel like a cheap sequel. Like, I think Scream 4 does at times, but like, they all have enormous budgets. They all have amazing casts. 
They have like, you know, amazing talent behind the scenes and consistent talent, but also they're all very complete, at least the original trilogy, very complete movies where they're not looking ahead. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they are, I guess, in some ways, but like, it's not like Halloween kills where you're making Halloween kills to get to Halloween. ends. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're making, you know, even Scream 2, which is kind of a filler movie. It's very complete in its own right. And I think that's what really makes these movies special. I mean, like you can just see the money that's in Scream 3 and the talent that's in Scream 3. And that's why it doesn't feel cheap. I mean, there is such emotional, like there's emotional heavy, heavy lifting here. There's technical, like there's, there's meta, there's just clever story. There's good kills, like creative kills with what they were working with at the time. Um, Yeah. Well, and oh my God, it's this, the cast of Scream 3 (laughs) is a, a wild cast, but one that I love. And it includes, I think my favorite addition for me is Parker Posey. Because it's just so, something about Parker Posey in Scream 3. It's such a specific comedic performance that only Parker Posey could give. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, if you had told me, like, okay, um, cast an actress that, you know, plays Courtney Cox in the Stab movies. You know, I never would have thought of Parker Posey. And I'm just, whoever thought of that idea, I have to give a tip of the hat. Because <laughs> I just think she, I, say, I don't want to say she nearly, like, steals the movie because that's not possible to steal from um you know our favorites but i do think she is a a splendid addition to this franchise oh yeah i mean honestly you wouldn't believe the number of people i talk to like on a daily basis who tell me that their favorite character besides the trio is jennifer (laughs) out of the whole series and I, I get it. I really do. Um, and I probably agree with it. Like, I think, and like what you're saying, it's all about her acting technique. Like, this is a wild and innovative performance that only an, a true artist can give. I mean, it's funny. It's tragic. It's <laughs> It finds just the right tone to bounce off of Courtney Cox. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, and she fits into the movie so well. And like, the thing I love about her is she's so wild, the whole movie. <laughs> And then, and she becomes a part of the gang, right? Yeah. She really becomes a part of the, you know, the inner circle. And then she dies. And like, you don't like, while I was watching it, and while I, even like on my numerous rewatches, I, I, there's an essence like, you know, I don't consider her as meat to kill. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that she's going to die or that she's even on the chopping block. Mm. And then she does. And actually, her death is one of my favorites. I think it's genuinely scary. I love the way it's constructed with the editing and oh, yeah. um, the momentum. But, uh, the but she dies and it's just like there there you feel like such a loss when she's gone because like there's a, a element where you're not expecting it because she's so wild and out there in her own original thing you know what I mean? She also sets up like uh, one thing I don't think she um, Courtney Cox gets enough credit for is how good of a screamer she is um, because yeah. I think that also her death is what I think gives the best scream in the entire film which is Courtney Cox reacting to dead Parker Posey because um, she has like two iconic screams in Scream 2 and Scream 3 I just you know I and I hope we get a, a great one with the new film uh, and one thing I find really interesting about the new film that is coming out ugh, next week and i can hardly contain myself well we're recording on uh we're recording on january 3rd but uh you know it's coming out next week um i think it's interesting that they're going back to woodsboro again and this whole idea of you know uh going back to Stu's house and everything but they actually did that of course first in scream three and i'm Mm -hmm. interested i'm interested to see i don't know like how the themes what themes will be explored in the new film because also right now i don't know about you but i feel like i have i feel like we have been like dealt a load of bullshit with all of the promos for scream uh the new scream scream five whatever people want to call it i don't know because i feel like they're just trying to mislead us with everything so that we're not spoiled so i'm still i'm just very curious what we're about to get (laughs) <laughs> well i'm i how can i say this <laughs> i'm i'm excited for the new movie i'm excited like you said to see what 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 it's like thematically i'm excited to see to meet these new characters like i'm really excited to meet uh, melissa Barrera's character mm-hmm. um jenna ortega's character i'm excited to see what their relationship is i'm excited to see the emotional connection and how the trio is further and how they're incorporated into this new world um 
I'm not sure if I agree with you that everything that we've seen is BS. Not everything. Um, I, I was a little, I was a little, but, <laughs> but I think that um, the, I think it's going to be a very ballsy, a ballsy movie. Like, you know, Scream 4 was, you know, for all the build up to it, it was kind of, um, it didn't have much fangs, you know, it didn't have fangs uh, compared to the original trilogy where they were making big moves in every movie. Mm. Um, Scream 4, you know, we kind of ended with, just the trio plus judy you know <laughs> yeah. they killed off everybody uh, which is by design and like I, that's why i think scream 4 is better as like a nice reunion movie it whereas like yeah. um but like this one i think they're gonna make they're, they're going to make very big moves um i think it's gonna be there's gonna be at least five or so where it's almost like parasite in a way where every time you think that you know what's going on they subvert and change the plot to, like all together mm-hmm. so that's what I'm going to say. I think I, and it's kind of what you're saying too, like, you know, with the trailers, like they may be giving us a bunch of BS and like misdirecting us. But I think that what we're seeing is genuine. It's just, it's going to be, it's going to surprise us how it's done. If that makes sense. Yeah. I just remember it was probably around like September. Or it was when, I don't, I mean, you of course run a screen podcast. So of course you're connected to the fandom, but there were a lot of people that were very angry for a very long time that there had been no promos for the new film. And people were starting to go, ah, if they don't have a trailer out by such and such date, I'm just going to be mad. <laughs> like there's so much discourse over this. And I remember the, the creative team saying, listen, we're working on a trailer. That being said, it's really hard for us to make a trailer without spoiling something in this movie. So it makes that's why I just feel like they're giving us a, a clever montage, you know, in all of these trailers. Like, here's a bunch of images that you hopefully cannot piece together into something. Um, and it's because it's so funny. Right now, YouTube, every time I open up YouTube, it's trying to show me some video. Where it's like, here's why mm-hmm. so-and-so is probably the killer. And I'm like, stop. And I just have to like unsubscribe all these things. I'm like, don't show me these. Because everyone is so desperate to figure out the plot of this damn movie. And I'm like, can't we all just enjoy it? Can't we be surprised? Like, why does everyone want to <laughs> decipher all of the pieces of it before they've even seen it? Just enjoy it. We're, this is supposed to be fun, right? Well, and I think sometimes, like, so there are two reasons. I'm, I, I know you're, you, were, you were asking rhetorically, but, like, I, I'll, I'll answer because I, 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 I live this day, day in and day out. Um, you know, people, I think, are anxious. I mean, people, the Scream, here's what, what's different about Scream compared to other horror series. Like, we, I feel like the fans of Scream are so much more emotionally attached to it than people of Friday the 13th or people of, like, Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween. Oh, because yeah. It's about the characters. It's not about the killer. Yes, um, exactly. And I think no film in the series do, does that like, captures that essence better than Scream Three. Like Scream Three really doubles down on all three of the leads of the trio. Um, it's very, it's a very emotional movie. But um, with with that emotion, you know, we get really attached. And I think people are anxious about knowing what's going to happen to these to these people who mean so much to us. And then there are just the people who are looking for the, like the Jill Roberts of the world, you know, who are looking for fame um, oh, and looking to be like the, seen as the smart one, you know? Yeah. Which I agree with you in that case. Like, you know what I mean? Cause like, I mean, I have, I have anxiety like about the new movie. Oh, I have sure, anxiety sure, about sure. it not performing well, or, you know, that the character will get enough screen time. But um, you know, I'm just kind of like what you were saying. I'm trying to like breathe in the radio silence. If that makes <laughs> yes. Sense. No, because I, you know, again, I've loved these movies for so long. I, I, I remember going to see Scream 3 with my mom and being so anxious about, oh, God, who's going to die in this movie? Because I was, I, for some reason, really went into Scream 3 almost, conv- and I don't know why I was so convinced of this idea, but I was convinced that Sydney has to die in Scream 3 because she must, like, I thought she was going to, like, sacrifice herself to save... I don't know. I, I thought something crazy was going to happen. And so by the time they got to the finale and, you know, things were not going her way for a second, I thought, oh, God, they're about to do it. They're about to kill Sydney. Um, and luckily, that did not happen. Um, but I just... I feel like I have the new anxiety going into the new film where I'm like, well, who's going to die this time? You know, <laughs> because it feels even more likely that, you know, we're... I, I feel like I will be stunned if we don't lose at least one of the core three. I could be wrong. Maybe they'll all survive. I just, you know, 
who knows i know nothing um i don't look up spoilers i don't do any of that nonsense but i just i yeah there it's like i'm very excited but there is a lot of anxiety attached to it as well well i love that you your fear was echoed in the movie with you know anyone including the main character can die this means you sid i'm sorry and sydney does almost die you know i mean she, she gets shot in the chest this one yeah twice <laughs> yes um but you know and that's kind of what i love about scream 3 is the fact that i you know i was talking to this um i was talking about this with my friend will mavity um who many people may know from um film twitter um he whenever he watched scream 3 he said that like he was crying by the end of it because of how emotional the movie is with the trio and i do think we i think that this is something that's underrated about scream 3 is you know how emotional that is when sydney gets shot oh, you know yeah. by by roman in the end oh yeah um whenever sh- she holds his hand i mean while, while he's dying that's my favorite moment of the entire series but um and like gail and dewey getting engaged and like them talking about their relationship issues and sydney talking to her dad about um, uh. her mom and the past like these are really emotional adult scenes and they don't get the like I, that's that's missing in the discourse a lot especially with like the people the haters i like to call them like the mm-hmm. people who are just angry that kevin williamson didn't write scream 3 um they they ignore all of these kinds of scenes like the scene with sydney and kincaid at the police station show me a more adult scene than that scene you know it's one of my favorite scenes and, and people say why you know because it's just they're, they're, oh, they're, they're, they're just talking scene. yeah i get it What's funny when I was on your podcast, we we were talking about the 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 theme of trauma, you know, recurring through the Scream franchise, and so I feel like we talked about Scream three a lot because I do feel like it is all. I mean, the whole thing's about trauma, but this one especially. My one of my favorite scenes is the one you just mentioned with between Sid and her dad. Because first of all, it feels so like it felt so comforting to see like sydney's father again you know and uh without like the air of like it's so funny though i remember when this movie came out there were still people like is it sid's dad is he the killer and i'm like god you people are trying to make this man a serial killer and just leave this man alone but i love the idea of just sydney being like you know none of this would have happened if mom had not made these choices that she made like back in the day and she's you can tell there is like you know, she's obviously, you know, sad that she lost her mother, but there's also, like, a bitterness there that, like, you know, your choices have, like, you know, really affected my life, and, like, I'm now in hiding because of all these things that have been, like, a tumble. But then she gets to learn about her mother's pain, and it's, like, this whole healing moment. It's, like, yeah, it's so emotional. It's not just, like, a cheap horror movie, and that's why I, again, get so annoyed when people put this down as, like, the you know the weakest of the franchise or something and because also the thing is i know this movie had a lot of behind the scenes issues they had to deal with with like i know a lot of people say oh i don't like it because the it's not as bloody and the 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 deaths aren't as like elaborate and it's like well this was at a tricky time like you know post columbine it was you know a very like i i've heard about alternate scripts you know that were very different than and much more graphic but just could not be made and you know Wes Craven talked about how they told him to use less blood and he eventually had to go listen it's a horror movie are we making a horror movie we're not making a horror (laughs) movie I'm gonna have to kill people believe it or not if you want me to make this fucking movie um but I I lost my you know I lost my own train of thought and that happens a lot (laughs) like go on tangents well like on that blood on the blood comment yeah. though i will kind of defend the movie like i do think the movie finds a interesting ways to kill people um that like, where it's not so bloody but two i mean there is still you know a decent amount of blood i mean there's still a decent amount of violence and um like i i think it still works and it maybe it's a better thriller than it is a gory horror movie mm. but it's still very it's scream theory is very suspenseful and like the thing i love about scream 3 is like, and the thing I brag about it is, no. like, the momentum this movie has. Like, Wes Craven's directing, it's, in my book, like, honest, like honestly, Scrim 2 probably is his best directed of the four movies. But I would actually, I actually think the third film is the second best in terms of his directing. Mm. There is so much energy and momentum in some of the sequences. Like, 
Jennifer's death, like that big fight scene at the end no. with Roman and Sydney, where it is just like the energy is just up and up and up. Like it's just thrilling. And like there's a, I, I, you know, some a critic wrote this on the like there was like a blurb on the poster back in the day, um, calling Scream Three an adrenaline rush. It really is an adrenaline rush. I still get it an adrenaline rush after seeing it two hundred <laughs> times. You know, I mean, okay. I, like, and I, I, so I don't like in a way like I think that they find ways to skirt the the blood issue. Like, you know, they use an explosion, which I don't really love the fax machine scene. I do like the explosion itself. I was going to ask um, you about the fax machine uh, scene, because I know that's, a, you know, some people love it, some people hate it. Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle where, like, I, I totally understand the criticism of it, but I also admit that, like, when I first, granted, when I first saw this, I was mm, 13? So, no, not even 13, I was like 12. So, you know, my my taste was all over the place, but it was very thrilling when I was 12, is all, all I would say. <laughs> you messy 12-year-old. Um, very messy. <laughs> um, well, so actually, so here's the thing. I will defend this movie with my life. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> Uh, except for the fax machine, except for the twenty, <laughs> except for like the ten minute. Literally, it's like literally minute like thirty seven to minute forty seven. Um, it's so flawed. Like if I could just take it out of the movie and just let the movie play, I think the 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 amount of criticism that this movie faces would have no legs to stand on. Um, you know there are things I like about it. Like I do like that we develop Gail and Dewey's relationship more with listening to you know jennifer and dewey talk and gail is like uh, uh, eavesdropping and like you know the, the monologue that gail has with dewey in the kitchen's good mm-hmm. but um oh, and, like, there are some sequence yeah, that's, that's great that's great and there are like some parts of it that are kind of that are scary like stone walking toward them after he's been stabbed and he falls down that's great but like and i do like the explosion itself and the energy is kind of fun in the scene but it's just it's not logical and I actually I, sometimes I fast forward through it because it just it brings me down. Wow! Um, <laughs> what a shocking, what a shocking thing to find out. He fast forward. Yeah, the Scream I mean, three. It's it's not my it's literally my least favorite <laughs> scene in Scream Three. But like there are, I was actually I actually have like a document of like my I've someone sent me like all one hundred and fifteen scenes in all four movies, and they told me oh you should rank them. So I've been working on it, and um, the fax machine scene is the least is the is by far the worst of third movie um but still i think they're like it doesn't even make the top five worst out of the series because like i think all four of my top my bottom five come from the fourth movie so um it's there's still some good in it but and it's it's fun it's never not fun yeah but i don't like it well because i mean it's a thing where you know again 12 year old me just looking at it as wow what a movie what a scene <laughs> you know I, I had a fun time but when you start to poke holes in it it, it you know it deflates very fast we go well wait a second wait a second well, yeah. uh, how would they not smell the gas and like well, wait a second <laughs> hold on a second here this is a little insane to me it felt like that thing of you know we have to up the ante you know this is the you know at this point this was meant to be i you know the concluding chapter so i guess they want to have like one you know last big spectacle sequence so you know and it did work when i was 12 um <laughs> and and here's the thing, I do, I genuinely, I do think the sequence works for people, like, whenever I've, because I've watched these movies with people over the years, and, like, whenever I've watched this with with people, nobody ever said, looks at me and says, Ryan, that's, this is stupid, like, they are usually just, like, involved in this, in the moment, like, because it's just, it's a fun scene in, in a way, you know, there's just a lot going on, there's a lot of moving parts, um, and, you know, it faces a lot of criticism, like, it's, it's not, it's not great, but I don't think it's, worst of all time so it's it's okay you know like it does know, give us okay. Parker Posey falling down the hill saying i can't it, stop falling down the hill which i don't know <laughs> it's a cheap joke <laughs> that makes me cackle every time um <laughs> she makes the sequence work like honestly i do think without parker posey's performance i think the sequence would be more of a dud but she keeps whatever enjoyment people get out of this like 10 minutes of scream 3 yeah. it's because of her well you know so man oh, there's so much to talk about scream 3 okay so <laughs> i will say one thing i love about scream 3 are all the cameos and specifically i think one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie is when courtney cox and parker posey go to the casting office and we find carrie fisher in the basement and the just the entire sequence where they you know do research on maureen like i i i just i almost like wondered if carrie fisher was allowed to like write her own lines or something because it just has such a 
it just has such the air of Carrie Fisher and her like wit and her like sardonic sense of humor. I just, I don't know. I, I love that scene. Well, it's one of, it's grown to be one of the most famous things about Scream 3 um, because Carrie Fisher is such like a beloved figure in pop culture. Um, and it's so funny that scene, even that scene, which is kind of, you know, it is about the cameo. Um, but there's a lot of plot going on in that scene. There's even like thematic elements, like, you know, in the scene we learn, you know, Carrie Fisher was an actress who was up for Princess Leia. <laughs> and she yeah. um she wouldn't sleep with um she wouldn't sleep with George mm-hmm. Lucas. And mm-hmm. uh the real the real Carrie Fisher got um got the part and Bianca didn't. And, and you know, this movie is about sex and about sex in Hollywood, a sex as transaction, like um, and because she didn't buy into that, look where she's working now. She's in the basement. Mm-hmm. I think that Ooh, it's yes. so interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think th- you said that I think you said that on your podcast once. I remember going like, "Ooh, I didn't I never even thought of that." Like keeping like the woman that knows too much, like literally underground. And I just, I just I was like, "Oh, I love it." Um, so one other thing about this movie, I have to ask you a quick question. Now we see the characters Jay and Silent Bob of you know all of that Kevin Smith, you know film lore in the film do you think that means that this all exists in the same universe as the kevin smith movies (laughs) i have to say i'm not really familiar with the kevin smith movies so i I can't really (laughs) i can't really answer that in an informed way Mm -hmm. but i will defend the the cameo like i see people lose their minds over this five seconds in scream three i'm like oh my god like why are you having such a meltdown about this like I, i i think it's a funny kind of moment that kind of just feeds off the energy of that of that of that sequence because that okay. sequence there's a lot going on in it and that's kind of a fun way to end it before we go and that's what i love about scream through we have these wild funny moments and then we switch to sydney talking about her trauma with her father and then this horrific nightmare like we get three big genres boom 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 in one you know mm-hmm. so um yeah oh man well so i guess i want to go into the finale and the reveal of you know the killer and all of that in terms of the scream franchise where do you rank well actually i already know the answer to this before my audience um where do you rank this finale in terms of uh, all the finales for the whole franchise well i i I hate to be this guy who comes on your show and you give me a question and i answer for 20 minutes Um, but i I love the finales of Scream more than I love the openings. And that's kind of that. Maybe that's a controversial statement. Um, The only opening that really is better than the finale for me is the first one, of course. Mm. Um, uh, But no, Scream 3 is by far my favorite finale. Like I, I remember the first time I ever watched uh, the Scream 3 finale. It was, uh, I, you know, I was a little kid and whenever she pulls out the gun from the police station and drives to the mansion and, you know, he, she tricks him with having two guns, like from, like, it was just, you know, I, I remember just feeling so on edge and I, I just love this finale so much. I love the intimacy between Sydney and Roman, you know, that, you know, having a one-on-one thing, you know, versus in one and two where we had two killers versus Sydney it's very, it's different and it's more violent. It's more personal. Um, I love the, the way that Maureen is incorporated. I love the full circle moment. I think their fight is brutal. I think it's super emotional. I think it's the most daring. Um, again, the momentum in that scene is just off the charts. Mm. I just love the finale so, so much. Like I can literally watch the last 25 minutes of screen <laughs> three over and over and over again and not get bored. Like I, I love it so much. It's the screen three finale is my favorite seen in any movie ever <laughs> any so. movie ever made that's just the way it is <laughs> i'm sorry it sounds hyperbolic but i'm not so i would rank the finales like i would go three two one four. Ooh, you would put two above one i really love the scream two finale i love that it's set on the stage i love everything falling down on Laurie metcalf i love the <laughs> sydney goes to head toe-to-toe with each of them you know what i mean and like mm-hmm. each fight is different that when derek dies it's so emotional and so sad <sighs> um you know i love the way i love when they pull gail out of the pit like i just <laughs> i love this i love it aesthetically Ugh, i love it but again you know it's scream 3 is miles better for me because of the epicness and the sense of oh, finality epic. to it you know i remember when it is well yeah i remember when she like walks into the room and there's all the footage of her mom and you're like what yes. is going on like because yeah, i didn't remember by that point little 12 year old me sitting in the theater i 
like, I guess I'm going to ask you this question next. But, like, I remember thinking at that point, like, I literally have no idea who the killer is about to be. Like, I remember just being like, I don't... <laughs> I you got me like you stumped me movie you stumped me because the previous two like I may not have known like the entire twist but I at least had guessed like half of it like with Scream 2 I always thought Mickey was like fishy I was like oh that Mickey has something going on with him and you know and then they of course like get us with the Mrs. Loomis add-on like oh you thought you got it but here's the real twist you know in the first one like you know, I mean, my God, it's not like they hid that Billy was the kid. Like, it's like more like when you rewatch Scream, like, of course it's Billy. Like, they, like, it's not even like that well hidden. But with Scream Three, they do such a clever trick with the audience where they make us think, well, it's not that person because they're dead. You know, um, and also I, I find it so fascinating the the little exchange between Jennifer and Roman, where she has like, and that just more like you know when you know when you re- do a rewatch, which you've of course done many times, like her last thing she says to her is like, stop pretending. And then I don't know. It's like, it's all like so cool when you know what's coming. Um, but by the time they reveal that he literally was the mastermind behind this entire thing, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's so thrilling. It's so thrilling. I'll never get over it. And I, there, there's so much in there that I wanted. I wish I could comment on. Like, first of all, you I and mean, to your listeners, like, I just want to like endorse um my man Zachary. Uh, he is so like you know his personality is so cute and so funny. Oh, like I, uh, <laughs> even the way you said that about Mickey, like I just I, I crack up about it. Um, so that's my thing. own podcast. Oh my god. God, am I am I am I that much of a hoe bag? I don't know. Oh um, no. <laughs> No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> so, no, um, the thing about Scream 3 is actually, and people don't give it credit for, is there are more active suspects in Scream 3 than I think there are in the in the first two. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. like, you have Roman, you have Angelina, you have Kincaid, you have Milton. Like, there are a lot of people, there are more people who are involved, who, who could be the killer, or who we lead on, who are led on to be the killer. Yep. So... And, like, again, like, the thing I like about Scream 3 as well, like, you know, Scream 2 and Scream 4 very directly homage the original, which mm. which is fine. But the way that Scream 3 also homages the original, but it does it without seeming so copyright-ish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for instance, like, Roman, like, in the casket. You know what I mean? Like, that, it, that's obviously an homage to Billy. Um, but it doesn't come off that way, you yeah. know, because it's done in a different, it's done in such a different way, which I really like. Um, but no, I love the finale for Scream 3. And like the fact that like, you know, it the the fight scene and then the scene after where she gets the upper hand on him, yeah. which I have to take a moment and say, like, you know, the thing that I love most about Scream 3 and probably the reason I'm so obsessed with it is Sydney Prescott's, like every scene she has mm-hmm. is so perfect. It's so um, thematically consistent. It's on point. It like it's it, and it explores her trauma and everything that's going on with her as a character so deeply and so well. And it builds to this last moment where um, she gets the upper hand. She materializes as the final, final girl, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like not even just the final girl, the final, final girl, where she has outsmarted the killer who is two steps ahead of everybody else. Right. You know, because that's the the theme in Scream Three is like Roman is a superhuman, and she outsmarts him even. You know, by dialing him, dialing his phone back, so she knows where to stab him. Um, like that is that is such an epic moment. Um, well, it's like only someone and, he's related to could like potentially like be on his like wavelength and you know outsmart him. Yeah, but Sydney has conditioned herself to be that much smarter than the killers. That's part of her trauma. Like and <laughs> like how she hides in like her the door that's supposed to be her bedroom in the stab three set scene. Um, you know, again, she is one step ahead of roman in that in that in that way too like um i just i think sydney's development is done so well um it really is and nev is just magnificent i think it's her the best work of her career um i've told her that to her face i i just i love it so much oh i'm so jealous that you've met nev campbell uh i was obsessed (laughs) with nev campbell oh my goodness teen little preteen me was thoroughly obsessed with nev campbell and i still would love to see her i mean i know she's about to get screamed but like i would love to see her get like you know a really good like hbo series or something just something like to like really like you know sink her teeth into but i i do love 
you know, Roman is doing his monologuing, you know, and, and Lord knows Sydney has heard a monologue or two uh, in, in her day. <laughs> and I just love that she, like, just breaks the tension. It's like, Jesus, will you just fucking, if you're going to fucking try to kill me, can you just get on with it? Like, you know, uh, maybe you don't remember that I have literally killed several people <laughs> at this point. Like, let's get into it. And just like, yeah, and the, the, I can't. I can't. But for me, even more than anything to do with Roman and all of that, that's all, of course, fabulous. But what I love about the Scream films is that they always have a real emotional beat at the end that you don't usually associate with, like, the horror genre very often. Because to me, like, you know, you have this, like, great thriller but you also have this incredibly tender scene at the end between you know dewey and gail because you know we've had this entire love story between the two of them like building for three films and so by the time he proposes to her like it's just so satisfying like how are you not like that's why again people that hate on this movie i'm like how are you not just like come on the like the fan service like give it come on give me a break well and like that that epilogue. Well, first of all, that moment with Sydney and Roman, my favorite exchange of dialogue in the entire series. People ask me all the time, "What's your favorite line of dialogue?" And most people expect it to be like a ghost face mm. line or something. No, it's Sydney and Roman. Sydney saying, "Why don't you take some fucking responsibility?" And Roman saying, "Fuck you." Sydney saying, "Fuck you back." <laughs> yes. Like that's my crème de la crème. Um, but also the epilogue of Scream Three is so good. I mean, like it's first of all the the the, the cinematography in that scene. Like, I, oh, I don't even know how gorgeous. they created such a gorgeous like look of that scene but like also like everything there it, it, what I'm talking about like the emotional aspect of Scream 3 it's so captured in both the engagement where it's just so perfect to put it in the book that caused so much yes. tension between them you know what I mean um, and that the epicness in the score where they kiss and then Sydney opening the gates I mean when the how, music how the score here? is so great in the epilogue well, the score actually, I think this is the best score in the series. Um, I agree, yeah. and it, the epilogue is a good example. It's called Sid Wears a Dress, and um, it's just beautiful. But um, like, how can you look? How can you watch the the epilogue, the last five minutes of Sydney opening the gate, <sighs> and still just crap on this movie? It's such an epic emotional moment, like um, what you I know, and triumphant moment. So triumphant, and like honestly, like going back to the score, I think the score does a, a lot of heavy lifting for the for the first three films like i think the score adds so much to each film and it was actually like something that bothered me about scream four is that it just mm-hmm. felt off like something with the music felt like not quite right even though i don't know if it, maybe everything was like the same people i i don't have the information in front of me you probably know well it was so marco beltrami did all four okay, of, the, all right, of, all right. of the first movies um but we have a new one for Scream Five. We have the Radio Silence guy, which I'm I'm open mind, okay. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Marco dropped the ball with the fourth movie, and I think I think they were going for a different tone, and like you can even feel it, and you can feel it in the writing, you can feel yeah. it in Wes's direction. But the score really doesn't it, it do, almost doesn't make it feel like a Scream film, which like is a problem. Um, but I think it does the heavy lifting in the original trilogy for sure, and especially in Scream Three because so many of Sydney's scenes are alone by herself, mm. like. You know, for instance, this the nightmare scene has an amazing score. But also, one sequence we didn't really mention mm. a lot is the Stab Three set, yeah, yeah. Um, which is by far one of the greatest moments in the series history, where it's so psychologically complex. Um, and like the the score for that is really great. Like you, well, you, I guess you did allude to it with Stu's house being in the third film, but um, like as Sydney's reliving everything because she's alone, she's by herself. So the score adds so much to help us tell the story of what's going on in her head. Um, amazing, amazing stuff. Well, it's so. a great way to literally take us back to the beginning. You know, you have her like back in her bedroom and. You know, you can hear the dialogue between her and Billy from the first film. Like, there's, it's, it's so interesting. Um, like, this movie was such a mystery. I definitely think of the first three films, you're just like, what is going on? You know, like, because the second <laughs> film, it just feels like a, you know, okay, someone else is, like, after her. Maybe it's a copycat killer, you know. You know, I mean, I The Scream 2, uh, for everyone who knows, is my favorite of the first three um just I've, something about scream 2 is so nostalgic to me it's just uh, i don't know there's so much to love sarah michelle geller like all of it i don't know um but scream 3 i think is the one where it's just such a mystery like it, the whole thing is like shrouded in so much like what is going on here 
so by the time we get to the finale, it's just so satisfying. Um, and like, and can I just add on onto that real quick? Like, it's so it is so satisfying because the plot is so dense. You know, you have the Maureen backstory, you have like the the regular storyline about what's going on with Stab Three. You have Sydney's storyline. You have Galen Dewey's relationship subplot, and somehow all of these like you know five storylines. It just they converge into one in that last scene mm-hmm. where in the screening room where Sydney, you know, gets locked in with Roman and everything just makes complete sense. Like and that's what I think I love about Scream 3 is like there's so much going on and it's so dense. And then it just, you know, it just makes the perfect sense at the end. We love it. And honestly, I think that's a good a nice little button to put on uh this episode about Scream 3. But I do have some special segments that I have for all of the films we've been covering in Scream. Um, and we have spe- segments we do for all of our horror movies. So the first one is, we call it Kill of the Week. Now, this is when we both get to highlight our favorite uh kill of the film. Like, now, do you have a favorite kill in Scream 3? Well, um, I do like... um. I like Roman and Milton in the finale. I think both both of those are well done. But my favorite kill is um, Jennifer's uh, death. I just think it's uh, it's such an emotional moment and such an exciting moment and such a scary moment. Like there's a lot of really scary images in that in that sequence in the hallway and the tower. Like it's yeah, I love it. I'm the killer in Sap Three. <laughs> you can't feel me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh my god, I can't. Yeah. So same, same. Uh, so next segment uh, is called the hello sydney segment hello sydney which is where we both get to highlight our favorite sydney moment from the film now what would be your favorite moment involving i know there's so many to choose from uh in scream 3 what would be your favorite sydney moment well all of them but um, (laughs) all of them tied first uh, (laughs) i would say so uh either the moment where she holds Roman's hand, that's my favorite moment of, of the whole series. But um, I also just love I, I, as a specific character like herself. I do think the scene in the police station mm. where she gets off the phone with the killer, she's crying and she's thinking about what she needs to do. And she picks up the keys and then goes behind and gets the second gun. I just find that to be such an empowering mm. payoff moment. No, that's a good, I've, I also was going to say her grabbing Roman's hand as he dies, but I want to have, so my follow-up one, in case you had said that, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> I would say just when she, like, when she just disappears on Roman and he doesn't know where she is, yeah. and she, like, one-ups him, like, and comes from behind the bar. It's just like, that was, ugh, ugh, I get chills. Um, and, you know, that that whole moment when she just, you know, Gets him off his guard. That's just classic Sydney, classic Sydney move. Mm-hmm. And we usually do a segment called Scream Queen of the Week, but if we did that, it would be very boring because it would be a Sydney every single episode, and that would not be very interesting. So, for a special segment just for the Scream franchise, we have uh, the Scream Queen who isn't Sydney of the Week. Jesus, not Sydney. <laughs> now, who would be your Scream Queen? Who isn't Sydney of the week for Scream Three? Well, um, you know, I do think there are two Scream Queens in all four movies, mm. and that's Sydney and Gail. Oh, sure, um, sure. Talk to me about it. Yeah, yeah. So no disrespect know, I would to say Gail those... No disrespect. <laughs> there is no Gail Weathers blasphemy in front of Ryan C. <laughs> Showers. Um I think, you know, I would I guess I mean I would by default have to say uh, Parker Posey, but I also want to give like some credit to Jenny McCarthy who she gets a really bad rep. Um I think it's just more so her as a cultural figure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um but I actually really like Sarah Darling. I think she has a lot of spunk. Oh, she's funny. She's and... funny. I mean, I know we have to like, you know, people don't like, you know, Jenny McCarthy as a as a person, but like, I don't know, as a performance, I think she did a good job. Yeah. So, I would pick those two mine was also going to be parker posey so i guess we're just on the same wavelength with uh scream 3 and that's okay (laughs) (laughs) i mean she just i don't know she's she adds so much to the film and she also has a really good scream so there is that and i and this i do think yeah her death scene i just think is my favorite i think other than hers it's not that the others aren't you know creative but like i can't think of one that like really had me going oh shit oh shit oh shit more than parker posies so i yeah i would say uh well yeah and if i can comment on that like i do think some of the some of the great kills in scream 3 are cotton i think his death is well done 
I think Roman's final final act is well done with you know first with you know Sydney holding his hand, but then him getting shoot, shot in the head by Dewey. <laughs> yeah. um, and I do think uh, John Milton's scene where he gets where his throat gets slashed oh. in front of Sydney. I think it's such a I think it's such a devastating kind of. I, I mean, he's a horrible sure, man. Sure, sure. He's the real he's the villain of the of the series, not Ghostface. Um, but the way that it's done in front of Sydney, and the way that like the way it just builds to that big final fight, I think is really epic oh yeah so well i have had such a fun time talking about screen through with you i'm sure we could do this for at least another hour or so um but i guess we should like you know end things at some point um but would you like to let the listeners know where they can find you and support you and stalk you online all that fun stuff well, I am amenable to stalkers. So um, if you, uh, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram on, uh, it's at um, scream with RCS. Um, and you can find my podcast scream with Ryan C showers. Um, you know, if you have thoughts about scream or, uh, you know, tweet at me, uh, you know, I, I, I respond to everybody. So please, um, I love to engage about scream, obviously. <laughs> lovely uh and you can follow me at zachary of no h on instagram and twitter and you can of course follow this podcast at iaw podcast on instagram twitter and facebook and we of course will be back to talk about scream for so many things to talk about um but ryan thank you so much again for coming on the show you were literally the perfect person to have on for screen three i can't think of a better person thank you